Family Feud is one of the longest running and most popular game shows on television. While the game show is fun and lighthearted, real family feuds are serious business. In Bible times, a conflict between twin brothers named Esau and Jacob began in their mother's womb. With only a few exceptions, the boys spent most of their lives not talking to each other. Even their descendants, the Edomites and the Israelites, battled for centuries. Is it time to resolve your family feud? It is always better to resolve a conflict than dissolve a relationship. Before you decide you will never talk to your sibling again, take a deep breath. Do your part to make peace. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Jesus said those words in his Sermon on the Mount, but the idea was communicated centuries earlier through the prophet Obadiah. That's where Ron takes us next as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Obadiah, Sovereign Justice. Much later, now travel with me to the first century AD, okay? More than five or 600 years later. By then, uh, the Edomites, what remained of them, were Idumeans in the Palestinian region. And ironically, they, they now participated in the uprising against Rome. This is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there was an uprising in Rome that led to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Some of you who have been to uh, Israel with us, we go to Masada and we learn about all of that history there. Well, ironically, the day of the Lord came for the Edomites when Jerusalem fell to Titus in 70 AD and Esau's descendants died trying to defend the holy city. And from that time forward, 70 AD forward, no survivor of the house of Esau exists. This prophecy came true, declares the Lord. Just let that sink in a little bit. The point of Obadiah's prophecy is that God's sovereign justice will ultimately prevail. Make no mistake about that, friends. And he will make sure that Israel gets all the land that he promised to her. Furthermore, the nations who hate and harm Jacob and his descendants will pay an eternal price. And the most poignant example of that, if you have any doubts about that happening in the future or at the end of the age, a poignant example are Esau's descendants, the Edomites, uh, wiped off the planet. Let's finish it up in chapter 19 or verse 19 through verse 21. Those of the Negev, this is the kind of the larger uh, area that the Israelites lived in. Those of the Negev shall possess 
Mount Esau. Ha, the land's coming back. And those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria. And Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites. As far as Zarephath and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in uh, uh, Sherephad shall, shall possess the cities of the Negev. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau. And listen to this. The kingdom shall be the Lord's. There is no uh, positive prophecy for the Edomites, but, but there is for Jacob and his descendants. Uh, in the end, we might say, Jacob wins, Israel wins, and she will possess all the land God promised to her. The last six words of Obadiah's brief prophecy says it all, doesn't it? The kingdom shall be the Lord's. Now, this will happen at the end of the age when Jesus Messiah returns and establishes his millennial kingdom. And you've heard me outline that before. As the best as I understand the Bible, the next event on God's prophetic calendar is kind of what I call phase one of the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's called the rapture of the church when Jesus comes for his church. And it happens in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible tells us. And then seven years of tribulation, the Antichrist, all of that kind of stuff. And then the battle of Armageddon. And then the second coming of Jesus Christ when he returns, this is phase two, with his church. And he fights the battle of Armageddon, defeats uh, the enemies of Israel and his enemies. And, and then, after that, the millennial kingdom all right, that he establishes on this earth. That's when Israel will possess all of it, including the land of the Edomites and all the other nations who have been taking away from Israel. You know, even today, the negotiations of peace for land and all that, eventually it's all coming back to Israel, declares the Lord. And if you have any doubts about that, just study this prophecy and what happened to the descendants of Esau. Now, lest we just say, oh, pastor, that's great ancient history. Let's bring it into our lives today. How, what do we do with the book of Obadiah? How do, how do we live it out? Just three little applications today. Number one, resolve your family feuds. Resolve your family feuds. Be a peacemaker in your family. Not a peacekeeper. We don't need the UN peacekeeping unit here. We peacemakers. Peacemakers win Nobel Prizes, not peacekeepers. Peacekeepers get us walking around on eggshells, you know. And we don't need troublemakers. No, be a peacemaker in your family. Some family feuds, and maybe you have personal experience with this, they go on for generations, at least for decades. Be the one in your family that says, we're going to break the generational curse. We're going to break the generational family feud. Be the one who says, I'm going to pick up the phone and call my brother and sister or whoever it is in your family or extended family that I haven't spoken to in years. Be the one who picks up the phone and calls your son or your daughter or your, you know, whatever it was. 
If Jacob had just learned forgiveness, you know, the Bible says be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. (laughs) Print that one out, memorize it, put it on your refrigerator, your mirror, and resolve whatever family feuds have come your way. Before you pick up the phone and call the divorce lawyer, take a deep breath, Think twice about the generational implications of your decision. I say that not only based upon the scripture, but personal experience. I grew up in a broken home. My parents divorced when I was in high school. On my dad's side of the family, his parents divorced, and I I don't know how far back it goes, but my brothers and I said, we're not going to do this. We're not going to just repeat the family feud and the breakup and the dysfunction. Uh, By the grace of God, Catherine and I just celebrated our 27th anniversary. And by the grace of God, the 28th and the 29th, and Lord willing, you know, on and on. But be the peacemaker in your family. Step, a peacemaker is somebody who intentionally steps into conflict and, and says, enough is enough. Let's resolve this, okay? Application number two. A little different direction here. Love and defend Israel. Um, Israel, the descendants, the chosen descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, sovereignly chosen by God, are, are his chosen children of Israel, right? Woe to the person or nation that hates on or hurts Israel or the, Jew- the Jewish people. Woe to the Hitlers. Woe to Hamas, which by the way is the Hebrew word for violence. <laughs> you know, any organization that says, our, our name is violence, Hamas. You know their intention. Woe to Hezbollah. Woe to any anti-Semite. Learn to love and defend Israel, to be a friend to Israel. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. To listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to access the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. While you're there, be sure to access the Something Good Digital Library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic to find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. Again, that's our Something Good Digital Library at somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good Radio and free resources like the Something Good Digital Library only exist through the faithful prayer and financial support of listeners like you. Today, as you give, we'll give you access to an ebook written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with the fifth road trip in his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This digital resource covers the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament, Hosea through Malachi. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. 
You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Ron will join me in studio after today's message, so stay with us. But first, let's tune in to the second half of today's Something Good radio message, Obadiah, Sovereign Justice. Uh, one of the reasons Catherine and I travel to Israel is this. We, we, we love just traveling to the Bible lands and walking in the footsteps of Jesus, and the Bible just comes alive in new and fresh ways every time we go. But it's also a way to love Israel. You'd be amazed how uh, the, the Jewish people we come in contact with just kind of pull us aside sometimes and say, thank you for coming. Thank you for America a friend of Israel, may we always remain a friend of Israel. They don't have very many friends in their neighborhood in that part of the world because everybody's got a hand against Esau or against Jacob. But they're, they're so grateful for Western Christians who come, spend money in their economy. I mean, tourism is a big part of their economy in the ancient world, and, and, and we love uh, you know, all the sites that we go to. And, and, and all of the people groups, uh, the, uh, the Jews, the Palestinians, and the Arabs, they're all very, very friendly. They don't like Western um, media because they say they just bring a camera out here and they point it in that direction where all the conflict is, and they give everybody in the world you know, the indication that it's just you know, terrible and dangerous to come here. Uh, and they say, no, it's not like that. And it isn't like that any more than traveling to Chicago is a bad place to be. My daughter lives in Chicago. She just knows not to go to South Chicago. Come on now, right? Well, the same, same thing in Israel. You don't go to the Gaza Strip. You don't go to the Lebanese border and places like that. There hasn't been a tour group in two centuries or two, two, two generations, rather, that have ever not come back or been harmed or, you know, it's a, it's a safe place to travel, partly because those groups want that part of their economy to flourish. And they love it when we come over. But it's, a, it's an opportunity to love on and defend Israel. You know, I'll say it another way. A sure way to get on my bad side is to wish harm or do harm to my kids. Same is true with you, okay? The children of Israel are God's chosen kids. The chosen descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You want to get on God's bad side. You wish harm or hurt them in some way. Like the Edomites from afar, if you're just quietly saying, yeah, pummel those people, those racists, you are on God's bad side. I'm just saying it, just saying it, all right? Esau held his hand out against his brother Jacob for long enough to where the Lord said, enough is enough. And after 70 A.D., eh, there's not a single one of them out there. Here's a third way to apply the book of Obadiah, and that is to understand the Bible prophecy is 100% trustworthy. You know, you, you, you can come at the Bible with all kinds of skepticism and attack the Bible this, attack the Bible. It has stood the test of time. Bible prophecy is one of the ways God authenticates his word. Did you know that 25% of the Bible, when it was written, written over 1,600 years, God used 40 different human authors to you know, pen his word, and he, he inspired the Bible. The word is he breathed his truth into them. And they pen these books. Uh, the preservation of Scripture is just an amazing story of how God preserved and the continuity of Scripture. 
But 25% of the Bible, when it was written, was predictive in nature. 50% of those Bible prophecies have already come true, giving us confidence that all the rest of them will come true just as the Lord declares. One of those prophecies that came true just as the Lord declares is the one about the Edomites. No survivor from the house of Esau. Here's another promise that you can count on. The Lord says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a positive one, isn't it? You know, that, that, yeah, that's, that's a salvation promise. Yeah, you can applaud for that, absolutely. Amen. As sure as the sun rises, God will make good on his salvation promise. As sure as the prophecy to Edom, as sure as any prophecy that he has made, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Eternal punishment. And all of the opposite things the Lord says about those who do not believe you don't want to go there. There's the invitation to come to the cross of Jesus Christ, to the promised Messiah who bled and died on the cross for our sins and didn't just die and go into the grave like other religious leaders. You know, you can go to Muhammad's grave and dig him up and there he is. And you can go to Confucius' grave and dig him up and there he is. You can go to Buddha's grave and dig him up and there he is. You go to Jesus' grave like we do in Israel. Guess what? It's empty. He's not there. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Christianity is based not upon conjecture and opinion. It's not even based upon circumstantial evidence, although we can build a circumstantial case for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No, it is based on the most powerful evidence in a court of law called eyewitnesses. I was having a conversation with my son this week. We were talking about 1 Corinthians 15, where the Apostle Paul says, Here, here's the gospel, uh, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Kind of the, I call it the Joe Dragnet, just the facts, ma'am, about the, about the Scriptures and, and the gospel. Following that, though, Paul goes on to talk about what we call the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, all the eyewitnesses. And he was seen, he was seen with human eyes after the resurrection by 500 people at one time. That was just one group, and then there were others. In a court of law, when you're able to present eyewitness account, that is the strongest evidence. Now, we still, in our court of law, say, well, uh, based upon the preponderance of circumstantial evidence, can a jury say beyond a reasonable doubt this person is guilty or not guilty? Sure, we can build a case like that, and our legal system allows for that burden of proof. But Christianity is not based upon circumstantial evidence, although there's a lot of it. There was eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses. And then these scholars that come along 2,000 years later and say, well, we need to rethink this. No, we have the historical records from the eyewitnesses who were there and saw the risen Christ with his own eyes. 
The burden of proof is for you to prove it wrong. And all of your arguments against the gospel accounts, they fall apart. You can trust this book and every prediction and every prophecy. And if you have any doubts about that, just dig up one of the old Edomites and ask them. Okay? Did that get some laughter? <laughs> I didn't think that was funny, but maybe it is. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I reread I re this prophecy this week, and I'm like, wow. It, it, maybe it just takes the ultimate road trip through the Bible for us to just take our time to go through book by book to be amazed once again at God's Word. From Obad, Obahu, Obadiah. Obadiah. Resolve your family feuds. Love and defend Israel. And know that uh, every prophecy contained in this book is trustworthy, as sure as the sun rises. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good Radio message, Obadiah, Sovereign Justice. And Ron, I want to go back to your first of three practical applications from your two-day study of Obadiah. Be a peacemaker in your family. Now, for those listening who may have some relational tension of their family or extended family, how would you advise them to be an agent of peace? Well, that's a great question, Brian, and the place to start is from the inside out. And what I mean is, in order to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker, which implies intentionality, we first have to be at peace with ourselves. Well, how do we do that, you ask? Well, Philippians 4 and verses 6 and 7 give us the answer, be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Having the peace of God in your own heart and mind, Brian, will do two things to help you be a peacemaker in your family. First, it will give you confidence to confront the member or members of your family who are at odds with you or another family member. And you'll be able to confront them in the right way. What I mean by that is that not all confrontation is good confrontation, but godly confrontation is always a positive thing. And when you have the peace of God that passes all understanding, when you're at peace with yourself and at rest in your heart, you'll have the confidence to acknowledge perhaps your own role in the issue. Uh, maybe it's something bad that you did. Maybe it's something good you failed to do. But when you have the peace of God guarding your own heart and mind, you'll be confident enough to freely acknowledge your own mistakes. Taking personal responsibility for your own actions will actually disarm the other parties involved and perhaps pave the way for a relational restoration. When you begin with your own failings, however major or minor they might be, the people listening will feel a sense of uh, freedom to admit their own mistakes. And that leads to the second thing that internal peace will provide you, and that's humility. The humility to forgive the other member or members of your family, no matter how severe the offense. Now, there's so much more I could say here, Brian, but um, in the interest of time, I'll just leave it there. The prescription for external peace in our families begins with internal peace in our own hearts and minds. And that begins with our relationship with God and then moves outward to our families, our extended families, 
and everyone to whom we come in contact. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great advice on being an agent of peace in our family relationships. Well, Ron, as we wrap things up here on Something Good Radio, tell us what's in store for us next time as you move ahead in your current series. Well, Brian, next time I want to take you to the familiar story about a runaway prophet. God asked Jonah to go to a place called Nineveh, and Jonah refused to go. What happened next is that, um, well, Jonah was swallowed by a great fish and lived in the belly of that fish for three days. It is without question the greatest fish story ever told. And not only is it true, Brian, because Jesus himself confirmed it, but it has some practical applications for all of us today. That's where we're headed next time as I move ahead in my series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. That's tomorrow in Dr. Ron Jones' message, Jonah, the biggest fish story ever told. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.